0: Welcome to Sunrise, your weekday podcast bringing you a fresh squeeze into Florida's news, politics, and culture. I'm your host, Tremel Gomes, reporting from the Florida Capitol as Governor Ron DeSantis announces his $99.7 billion Freedom First budget.
1: Now, this is a huge, huge budget. This is a huge deal. This is something that's going to have very positive effects, uh, but we're doing that While remaining the lowest per capita tax burden
0: in the country. State Democrats and critics say the governor's budget is all for political show.
2: He tries to act like the tough Florida man when in reality, it's a facade. In reality, um, he continues to use his bully pulpit, and in this case, the state budget, for his own
0: political ambitions. Today's Sunrise interview is with Jeff Johnson, AARP Florida's state director, who joins us to discuss concerns raised in a recent study, which shows nursing home deaths rose. after Hurricane Irma. We also have Kathy Tamutza, CEO of the Florida Association of Healthy Start Coalitions, joining the program as this week marks 30 years of service for the organization supporting healthy babies and their moms. We've got all that, including other top stories trending around the state and capital. Plus, we have your calendar of political events and so much more. But first, a word from our sponsor. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics. The following is
3: a paid political advertisement paid for by Florida Education Champions. Everyone loves a win win, and if you're a fan of sports betting, you can win win too. Billions of dollars for education, legal sports betting for you. We're Florida Education Champions, and our petition brings competition and choice to legal sports betting in Florida and gives all the tax revenue to public education. That's a win for you and our kids. Be a champion today. Learn more and request your petition at FloridaEducationChampions.com.
0: And now the top stories on Sunrise for Friday, December 10th. Today is National Human Rights Day, and it is also Nobel Prize Day. The annual award established by Alfred Nobel, an inventor and wealthy businessman who spoke five languages and upon his death, His will caused an international controversy as he left much of his wealth behind to establish the Nobel Prize. His family refused to create the prize and it took five years before the first Nobel Prize could be awarded in 1901. Now let's jump to the big news. After dropping bits and pieces in recent weeks, on Thursday, Governor Ron DeSantis finally debuted his budget proposal for the state in the coming year
1: we promise we tackle environment we promise we'd be support for education we promise for infrastructure we promise to support law enforcement and so many other things and we're delivering uh, time and time again.
0: DeSantis unveiled a 99.7 billion dollar proposed spending plan. I mean that's pretty huge if you're using his words. You
1: know, this is a huge huge
0: DeSantis wants to dole out a gas tax break and $1,000 bonuses for police and teachers, which he previously announced.
1: Very positive effects, uh, but we're doing that while remaining the lowest per capita tax burden in the country, while providing huge gas tax relief for people, and by having those really, really plush budget reserves, which puts us in an incredible position and the budget reserves which you know are over 15 billion as of the current estimates
0: Almost in unison, the governor's state agencies released statements praising the budget. However, critics, mostly Democrats, slammed the budget. DeSantis wants to use $3.5 billion from Biden's American Rescue Plan to help fund major portions of his budget, which some might even say the Biden administration could be subsidizing the governor's policies.
2: It does look like that the governor is, is leveraging American Rescue Plan dollars to offset the gas tax break that he
0: wants to propose. That's Democratic State Representative Ana Escamani.
2: Time and time again, Governor Ron DeSantis leads with political rhetoric. He tries to act like the tough Florida man, when in reality, it's a facade. In reality, um, he continues to use his bully pulpit, and in this case, the state budget, for his own political ambitions, um, when the reality is that Floridians are struggling and they need relief.
0: DeSantis also wants to use federal cash to fund $500 million to spend on Resilient Florida, an environmental grant fund lawmakers created last year.
1: Our environment budget is incredibly strong. We will have in these budget recommendations $980 million earmarked for Everglades restoration and for the protection of Florida's water resources.
0: The governor is also seeking $8.8 million in federal funds for the development of a program in his administration that would assist the state's efforts to protect against the harms resulting from illegal immigration. That has been a constant sticking point with DeSantis and the Biden administration. When it comes to DeSantis's plan to have such a huge $15 billion pot in reserves, Democrats say that kind of money can be used elsewhere, like raising teachers' salaries instead of providing just bonuses, and fixing the state's affordable housing crisis. Here's Democratic State Representative Carlos Guillermo Smith.
3: DeSantis has replaced the pot of affordable housing money uh, with a pot that is basically half of its size and then calls housing fully funded when he fills up the smaller pot. That is not how this is going to work. Uh, And it's not enough for Floridians who are desperate uh, to be able to find a place that they can live.
0: The governor's proposal, his final budget before he goes up for re-election, is a wish list and recommendation for the legislature to follow. Since Republicans control both chambers, the governor is likely to see most of his wishes come true when the legislature convenes in January. Let's turn to our first Sunrise interview. Researchers have spent some time analyzing and uncovering new details about the deadly toll power outages caused on nursing homes when Hurricane Irma slammed the state back in 2017. Jeff Johnson, Florida AARP's state director, has been advocating for the continued health and safety of residents in nursing homes, and he joins us to talk about the study's findings. Jeff Johnson, welcome to Sunrise. So glad to have you on the program. How are you?
3: I'm doing well. Uh, How are you, Tremel? Thanks so much for having me on.
0: I'm doing great. There is a study, and I'm so glad to have you on to talk about this. There's a study by JAMA Health Forum that shows nursing home deaths rose 25% after Hurricane Irma barreled through Florida in 2017. What do you make of that study?
3: Well, it's interesting because the the impact of Irma, for those who remember back in 2017, was one that hit the entire state, and I think a lot of people remember that there was a specific nursing home in South Florida, Hollywood Hills, that experienced a real tragedy, a dozen deaths, all to heat-related causes that came from the fact that they didn't have backup power, that they didn't have air conditioning. So um, we we focused on that as a state, um, but didn't realize at the time that that Hollywood Hills example, as as tragic as it was, was really just emblematic of a much larger impact. And so what this study really did was go through and, and correlate where facilities lost power and what the mortality rates were in those facilities versus those that didn't lose power and versus what that same time period would look like in a non-storm year where there, there weren't major power disruptions. And so their conclusion was the facilities that lost power um, let, uh, it created, if you will, a, a lot higher mortality rate. A lot more people died than we realized because of that lack of power, especially lack of air conditioning. And I think that that um, says a couple of things that are valuable for us today. Um, One, it's a validation of what then Governor Scott and the legislature have done, and Governor DeSantis has continued in requiring facilities to ensure that they have backup power, that they have generators that can provide air conditioning and other essential electricity uh, during times like a hurricane. But I also think it points to the fact that we may see individual tragedies and miss much larger trends. And as we come through this phase of the COVID-19 pandemic, I think that that's a real wake up call for us to recognize that we may have seen a couple of uh, really horrible examples of the virus spreading through a a nursing home and hitting this really vulnerable population. We may not know exactly how big an impact it has had on the most vulnerable uh, Floridians that we have.
0: So looking through the numbers it showed in that study, 28,000 nursing home residents, 65 and older, lost power. Those who lost power were subject to a 25% increase in death the first week and 10% a month after the storm. It's just interesting to see the impact of that loss of power.
3: Yeah. And I think that the, I think that, It is a reminder for those of us who don't have firsthand experience of family members or friends who have lived in nursing homes of just how fragile that population can be. Um, We have all experienced a loss of power at some point along the way, and we know it is uncomfortable. But when um, you are at the level of frailty that your care is best served in a nursing home, that type of disruption can have an impact that clearly from uh, these statistics will cause you your life. And I think that, um, again, we we should learn that lesson and we should use it to help teach us that this population, which is a significant one in Florida, uh, it's hundreds of thousands of, of Floridians who um, who will live in nursing homes in any given year, is one that we need to pay special attention to.
0: Since that tragic event and that storm, Florida instituted mandatory emergency backup powers, as you mentioned. So I see 98.6% of the state's nursing homes now have emergency power plans in compliance with state requirements. What about the the remaining 1.4%?
3: Well, the... I, I want to give credit to the Agency for healthcare Administration under the last several secretaries and really under the last two administrations, Governor DeSantis as well as Governor Scott, for continuing to work on this and ensure compliance. The extra 1.4% that, that don't have backup power do have temporary generators. And while that can be a cause for concern, and certainly these are self-reported numbers, and so we always want to make sure that there is some validation that this is the case before we get into another storm or a power-related crisis, I think that these numbers are generally, should be reassuring on this front.
0: Jeff Johnson, thank you so much for coming on the program.
3: Thank you very much for the opportunity, Trim. very much appreciate it.
0: Here's your calendar of events. The Medicaid Pharmaceutical and Therapeutics Committee, which makes recommendations about a preferred drug list for the Medicaid program, will meet early this morning at 830 The State Acquisition and Restoration Council will take up a series of issues, including the development of a 2022 priority list for the Florida Forever Conservation Program. That's at 9 in Tallahassee. At the Capitol, the Economics Estimating Conference will discuss national economic issues. State candidates and political committees face a deadline today to file reports showing finance activity through November 30th. Happening on Saturday, Democratic Senator Janet Cruz of Tampa will hold a kickoff event for her 2022 re-election campaign that's happening at 3 in downtown Tampa. And U.S. Senate candidate Val Demings and gubernatorial candidates Charlie Crist, Nikki Freed, and Annette Tadeo are slated to speak at the Hillsborough County Democratic Party's Kennedy King Gala at 7 tonight at the Tampa Convention Center. Now let's turn to our second Sunrise interview today, Florida's Healthy Start program, which develops and supports local systems of care for moms, babies and families, is commemorating its 30th birthday this week. And we're joined by Kathy Timutza, CEO of the Florida Association of Healthy Start Coalitions. So, Kathy Tumutza, welcome to Sunrise. So glad to have you here. How are you?
2: I am doing wonderfully today. Thank you for asking.
0: You all are celebrating 30 years. Tell us about that.
2: Yes, we are. It's an exciting time for us. Healthy Start's 30th birthday. So we have 32 coalitions that the legislature has and trusted to develop and implement maternal and child health uh, systems of care in every community in Florida. It is a unique model in the nation. Um, the, the legislature also put in place back in 1991 uh, a universal risk screen to help identify families facing additional risks and who may need some help. And that is also a unique feature of Florida as compared to the rest of the nation. So. Over the last 30 years, um, we have implemented these systems of care. Uh, We have seen a decrease in infant deaths since 1991 by 32 percent and an increase in the health of mothers and babies.
0: All right. And in celebration, you guys are doing something special around this season, which is the holiday season. What's going on?
2: Well, we've been traveling around the state, holding some um, events, smaller events due to COVID, but we've been um, holding some media events around the state to celebrate Healthy Start's birthday. And we've had the opportunity to recognize some leadership in the legislature for their work last year, extending postpartum depression. So uh, Representative Camille Brown, uh, Representative Colleen Burton, and of course, Speaker Sprouts for their leadership. That is a landmark, in in my opinion, a landmark and a legacy legislation that will help improve the health of mothers and ultimately birth outcomes as well. That was a, a wonderful thing that the legislature on the House and the Senate side so did to for florida's families
0: it was seen as a bright spot for those who have been right. advocating for medicaid expansion particularly here in the state
2: i think it was a great birthday gift to all of florida families
0: <laughs> indeed indeed so what's sharing the gift of life-saving infant cpr uh, what is that all about
2: that is a local initiative of the healthy start coalition in the capital area Um, along with their partnership with EMS Emergency Management Services. And so they are holding classes uh, for infant CPR. They also provide these wonderful um, inflatable infants where you can actually practice doing CPR. And I myself have had the opportunity, I have a granddaughter, to actually view that video and practice my CPR. And I'll tell you, it is very helpful. And it gives you a sense of security knowing you know what to do if something were to happen to your infants.
0: Well, it seems like a lot is going on for this 30 years celebrating all around into the holiday seasons with gifts for everyone. You received a gift and you're giving gifts. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for taking this time to speak with me. I really appreciate your time.
2: You are very welcome. Thank you for including us.
0: Finally, as you jumpstart your day, thanks for tuning in for today's sunrise. I'm Tramell Gomes, inviting you to join us next time for a fresh squeeze into Florida's news, politics, and culture.